I don't know about y'all, but I'm certainly encouraged by the events of last week. Certainly really enjoyed the gospel meeting, and I hope that you did as well. If you weren't able to be here for those uh, lessons, you certainly missed out because they were, were absolutely wonderful, wonderful lessons, very vital topics that we covered, and Hopefully you'll be able to perhaps get the, the CDs and listen to those and they will certainly edify you. Another vital topic we will be discussing today is the idea of being in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath given us all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. We're going to spend quite a bit of our lesson this morning in the book of Ephesians. We're going to start by looking at Ephesians chapter 1. Then we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2. And then we're going to kind of tie all that together with some other passages. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Everything that we have as Christians, the totality of all the blessings that we have as Christians occur in Christ. No spiritual blessings occur outside of Christ. That is an extremely important point that you can't miss if you want to be pleasing to God. In Ephesians chapter 1, I want you to first of all notice that this phrase, in Christ, or similar phraseology, occurs over and over again in the book of Ephesians, especially in chapter 1. In chapter 1, you'll find that this phrase occurs 16 times, either in Christ or words to that effect. In chapter 2, you'll notice that these words, or similar words, occur nine times. In chapter 3, four times. In chapter 4, two times. In chapter 5, one time. And in chapter 6, four times. If I've counted that correctly, then the phrase in Christ or similar occurs about 36 times in this wonderful book of Ephesians. Notice with me, first of all, Ephesians chapter 1. And I have these phrases underlined in my New Testament. I would encourage you if you write in your Bible, to underline these as well. Notice, first of all, verse 1. Paul writes, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, the sanctified ones, the ones who are set apart from the world around you at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. If you are faithful, if you are the faithful ones, as the Greek acknowledges, then you are in Christ Jesus. There are no faithful outside of Him. Verse 3, the verse that our scripture reader read for this morning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. 
God has determined that we as humans must be without blame and holy and in love if we're going to be in Christ. There is a way of righteousness that was formed before the foundation of the world. Are we going to follow that way of righteousness? Because the only place where that way is, is in Christ. Verse 5, having predestinated us. No, not the kind of predestination that John Calvin teaches. The idea that God before the foundation of the world selected him to be saved and selected him to be lost, selected her to be on the pathway to hell and selected her to be on the pathway to heaven. That's not the type of predestination that we read about in the Bible. But God has predestinated us in so much that God has predestinated a way of righteousness. God has predestinated a plan for us to be saved. And so if we follow that way, then we will be among those who are saved having predestinated us unto the adoption, there's the plan, of children by Jesus Christ to Himself. That's our in Christ statement for this verse. To Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. God wants you to be saved. God takes pleasure in the fact that there are those who are saved. God takes no pleasure in the fact that there are many who are lost. Skip down to verse 7. In whom? Basically the same idea as in Him. In Christ. In whom we have redemption. We've been bought back from the fact that we were lost. How do we have redemption? Through His blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. God's abundant grace that allows us to be saved. Redemption and forgiveness of sins through His blood. Redemption and forgiveness of sins that only take place in Christ. Verse 9, Having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to the good pleasure which He hath purposed in Himself. Flip over to First Peter. First Peter chapter 1. I want you to notice this. The mystery. What does that mean, the mystery? The mystery is something that has been concealed momentarily until it is later revealed. First Peter chapter 1. Beginning... In verse 9, we read, Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, the end product of your faith is salvation. The end product of faithful obedience to God is salvation. Now, notice what that salvation entails. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. The Old Testament prophets who were prophesying forward to salvation, 
didn't fully understand exactly what they were looking forward to. They, they certainly understood part of it, but part of it was still a mystery to them. God did not give them full understanding of exactly what was coming. But they were inspired of God and they wrote down exactly what God told them to write. Verse 11, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. Trying to figure out what the Spirit of Christ was was inspiring them to write. Trying to figure out when is, when is the Messiah coming? And what exactly will He do? What exactly will salvation entail which He will bring? When it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. The glory of the resurrection of Christ. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel, the good news, unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven which things the angels desire to look into. Brethren, we have the privilege to understand things that even the angels didn't understand about the mystery of salvation. Flip back to Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 10. That in the the dispensation of the fullness of times, in, in the fullness of time, Christ came. The fullness of times... He might gather together in one all things in Christ. In one. Unity. Oneness with Christ and with brethren only occur in Christ. Both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. There is only inheritance of salvation, inheritance of heaven above in Christ. Verse 12, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. Brethren, you cannot be saved if you do not trust in Christ. Verse 13, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also that ye believed. Ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession and the praise of His glory. The Holy Spirit came during those early days of Christianity until the written Word of God was complete and helped them along. Today we have God's Word gives us everything we need for life and godliness. 2 Peter 1 and verse 3. Verse 15. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you. Verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. In those days, the Holy Spirit was helping them along. Today, 
We have the knowledge of Him right here in God's Word. Verse 18, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling, and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Go to the end of the chapter. Verse 22 and 23. God's put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head of, over the church, over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Verse 18. What the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Those riches are in the saints because they are the body of Christ. There's your in Christ. Verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Brethren, if Christ was not reigning in heaven today, then we wouldn't have hope because that would mean that Christ didn't resurrect from the dead. But Christ did resurrect from the dead and he reigns today. Far above all principality and power and might, and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Now let's tie this together in chapter 2. What is the meaning of all this in chapter 1 about being in Christ? I want you to notice through verse 13 of chapter 2. And you hath he quickened. That is, he's made you alive again. Christians, the sanctified ones here in in uh, Ephesus, the Ephesians, and you hath he quickened who were dead. In your past life, your life of sin, you were dead. Romans 6.23, but the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. These people had access to that gift. They were quickened. They were made alive again, even though they were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein, in time past, you walked according to the course of this world. In your past life, you, you looked like everybody else. According to the prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air. The evil one. The adversary. You walked after Him. The Spirit that now worketh in the children in disobedience of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, our lifestyle, in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, having un unclean thoughts, following through with those unclean thoughts with unclean activities. That was your past, Ephesian Christians. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. They had made it their long practice of being in sin. But, but God, who is rich in His mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. There's your in Christ. 
by grace you're saved. Because God loved us and because He had grace and mercy on us, we have a chance to be saved. And these people in, in the book of Ephesians, by grace were saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. These people had been raised up. Just like Christ had been raised up from that cross, these people had been raised up in Christ. Verse 7, That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. There's your in Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves, but it is the gift of God. That ties back to Romans 6, 23. We don't deserve salvation. We don't earn salvation. God gives it to us because of His grace. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Tie that in with James chapter 2, though. You realize that there are some works that must be done. So don't misunderstand what Paul means here. Paul's referring to an obedient faith. Verse 10, For we are His workmanship. God is the one working. God is the one operating on us, as we see in Colossians chapter 2, so that we are saved, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Notice that. We're created unto for the purpose of good works. So there are good works that we must accomplish. But we don't deserve salvation just because of our good works. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That plan that we talked about, the predestinated plan so that we could be saved, God said before the foundation of the world, those righteous ones, the ones who are going to follow me, part of the reason that they're going to be following me is because they're following those good works and walking in them. Wherefore, remember, remember, Ephesians, Remember your old life of sin and don't go back to that. We see this repeatedly in the epistles of, of Paul and others. Remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, these were Gentile converts, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Physically speaking, those Jews, they look down on you. Because you are Gentiles. That's done away. Those, dis those distinctions are no more in Christ. Jew and Gentile, that doesn't matter anymore. Unless you're talking about spiritually speaking. Spiritually, we should be spiritual Israel. That at the time you were without Christ. That's the opposite of being in Christ. Without Christ is being outside of Christ. You were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel 
and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. No, no hope outside of Christ. And without God in the world. If that does not scare you, if that does not make you think, nothing will. If you have no hope, and if you are without God, you need to think about that. But, but now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, far from the way of righteousness, far from salvation, that's what you were. But now, in Christ Jesus, you're made nigh, made near by the blood of Christ. Is that you this morning? Do you have contact with the blood of Christ? The atoning blood of Christ. We're going to talk about this afternoon, the book of Leviticus. And this book points out the seriousness of sin. And every day, they were making those offerings of those lambs without spot and without blemish so that the blood could be shed, so that they could be reminded of the seriousness of their sin, the fact that their sin was no laughing matter. Their sin was so serious that they had to pick the very best lamb of their flock and had to sacrifice it, had to give it up. And sometimes we wonder if God's just going to overlook sin. The life of the flesh is in the blood, Leviticus says. You look at that blood, you see what your sin does. That's Old Testament. New Testament. The perfect Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. The only Lamb who could take away sin, Hebrews chapter 10, was sacrificed for you and me. The sinless blood shed on that cross. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. We're made near to God again. We were separated from God, but now He embraces us again because of His Son's blood. You see on the screen before you something that's very simple. Simple drawing. As you can see, I drew it myself. Not the best drawing in the world, but it works. A circle. And inside that circle, you see the words, In Christ. Are you inside the circle? 
Are you in Christ? How do we get in to Christ? How do we get inside that circle? Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You're outside of Christ. Get into Christ. Be baptized in to Christ. There's one more image for you on the screen this morning. I want you to look at these two pictures. The Bible is very clear. There are things we must do if we're going to be in Christ. Christ was put to death on that cross. Christ went to that tomb for three days. And Christ arose. Brethren, if you want to be like Christ, if you want to rise to newness of life, then there's something that you must do as well. You must put that man of sin to death. Notice Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. This is how I know that, that for you, you're saved by grace does not simply mean that you can keep on doing whatever you want, keep on living in sin. Because the same man who wrote that you're saved by grace says that we cannot continue in sin that grace may abound. He says, God forbid. Speaking to these Roman brethren who were saved but were using grace as a license to sin. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? If you're a Christian, you've become dead to sin. And now, you should continue in life rather than death. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? You want to be in Christ this morning? That's how you do it. You go down into death. Put that old man into death in that watery grave. You remain in that grave momentarily, just like Christ remained in the grave momentarily. But then you arise. Just like Christ arose and today is reigning in heaven, you will arise to walk in newness of life. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead 
is freed from sin. Same chapter, verse 17. It says, But God be thanked, you were the servants of sin, but you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. If you're a Christian, God be thanked that you have obeyed from the heart that doctrine. Go down into the water and come up in newness of life. There's one more passage I want you to look at this afternoon, or this morning, and the lesson will be yours. So that's Colossians chapter 1, or Colossians chapter 2, rather. Colossians chapter 2. Beginning in verse 10. And ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, only occurs in Him, buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God, God's operating. Putting your faith in Him that He will save you. Who hath raised Him up from the dead. Just as God raised His Son up from the dead, He'll raise you up too to walk in newness of life. As you consider these things this morning, please consider your life. And if you realize that you are not in Christ, you can change that right now. You know what to do. If you need to respond, respond right now as we'll sing this song.